coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. The biggest thing I'm focusing on now is just helping the green industry. So whether that be landscaping or irrigation or lawn mowing or anything in the green industry or just contractors, service businesses, but just helping people because like I said before, nobody helped me through all that. So if I can help save people hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of not doing it my way, yeah, then I'm going to be, I'm going to have a fulfilled life. So that's what I'm focusing on now is just how do I reach as many people as possible to help them guide along the way, whether they're just starting out in business, they don't even know how to set up their insurance or their LLC and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or if they can't break a million dollars or if they're trying to go from five to $10 million. So there's different break points and different levels that people get stuck at and just helping consult or go in and look at their operations and, and just give them different ideas of how to improve or how to create efficiencies. Yeah. So that's what I'm really passionate about now because that's also going back into the original business. Like how do we help our team members, you know, learn as much as they can and then hopefully create another division or a regional um, location that they can manage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all going sense. into the blueprints from, you know, people hiring, uh, retaining, rewarding or operations or financials or analytics and marketing. So it's, it's a full well-rounded program that I'm taking these business owners through. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have James Mansky, who is the owner of James Mansky. So James has been in business for a long, long time. We get into how his core business was established when he was about nine years old or so. And he just kept on growing that over the years, over the years, and has now created a very, very successful landscaping company out of that. Uh, What's really interesting about James is how he has taken some inner workings, some things that they developed sort of internally and have turned that has turned that into other uh, ancillary businesses. So we talk a lot about you know dovetailing businesses and and dovetailing skill sets together so that you know you're not starting fresh. He, he has his core business and then there's sort of these offshoot spin-off businesses that all complement and and have a impact on the main business. So really a great way to be able to expand and and grow your company. So if you're in a situation where maybe you have a core company, a core business, or perhaps you even have an idea to create a, a core company and then you have other spin-off ideas that complement that that one core business, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. James has done a fantastic job of parlaying those other spin-off companies into feeding his his main company. And with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. I grew up with a probably a much different background where I couldn't leave the dinner table unless all the food was gone. I, I did the same thing. 
So, the same, same rule in my house. I had to see my sister, who was about six years older than me, go through the struggles of that and just trying to shove as much food in her mouth so she could leave the table. And then I got smart earlier on. I would just fall asleep at the table <laughs> and then I wouldn't have to finish my food. So it was, um, it was a lot of different things. I mean, German background, I've got a little bit of Portuguese, a little bit of East Indian background too. So it was a lot of spice foods. I mean, it was just a lot of food, no matter what. It. But it was uh, it was good. I wouldn't change it for the world. And and today, are you? I, I don't want I don't want to say this the wrong way, but are, would you consider yourself uh, someone who doesn't like to waste food at all? Are you? Do you have that yeah. kind of mentality? Yep, hundred percent. I, I and I always have leftovers. Like I, 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 I don't want to throw them away. I, I always I think that that was because I was I was brought up the exact same way where you had to sit there until you you know finished your food. So I like I absolutely hate you know even if i'm completely stuffed i feel like i have to finish it you know and i think that that it goes back to those days of of you know how we were brought up so oh exactly yeah it's a good way to be brought up though too instead of um, honestly being hungry all the time or not recognizing that this is nourishment that you need to have yeah right? yep. so yeah i wouldn't change it for the world it's a good good life lesson exactly exactly um so were you exposed to any type of entrepreneurialism or anything like that growing up at all or did it you know, not, not for, not for a while. I wasn't, I had some family members that my dad's side that were, and, but that was even after I got a little bit older to realize what they're even doing, you know, middle okay. school, high school to realize that they had their own business. But before that, it was just always, you know, my dad was international banking and finance and my mom worked for the school district. So it was, it was not very entrepreneurial. It was more worth ethic. Yeah. So I saw the worth ethic and how people should be working or how to accomplish a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. When did it like kind of hit you where you said, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to start doing my own thing here. Was that after you went through college or started doing, you know, start working for other people or what, what was that inspiration for you? Sure. Good question. My, the first business I ever had was, I think I was at nine or 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And that was more with a neighbor just to sell pop and golf balls to, you know, golfers passing by. My parents live on a golf course. So we'd go okay. golf ball hunting, we'd clean them up and then we'd sell them right back to the, the golfers passing by. And we we're making good money. Yeah. And uh, it got to a point where the owner of the golf course stopped by and pretty much put a cease and desist <laughs> letter in my parents' hands saying like, I'm taking too much business away from the pro shop and the cart girls. That's funny. So I learned that <laughs> earlier on, but it was more just for fun. And then, okay, here's an extra $75 a week as a nine-year-old to do whatever you want with. Yeah. And then fast forward from there, it was always, the thought was always there of what can you do? What can you do? So then coming into high school is when I started just mowing lawns in the neighborhood and realizing that I can do as much business as I physically want to do instead of an hourly type position where mm -hmm. I get paid no matter if I'm doing more work or less work than the other coworkers, I'm getting paid the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just early on, I, I got that in my head. But that was its production base and how much do I want it? It's going to reciprocate back how much I get paid. Yep. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and now you grew that. Was it the same landscaping company that you grew into a pretty successful? Yes. Yep. So this is actually the 20th year since I started it. So 20 years ago this year, I started that company and it's been awesome. I mean, never really started growing it a lot until after college, of course, but uh that's when we started getting into different divisions, you know, different states of government contracting and all that stuff. But 
it's been a very good thing to start because there's a lot of owner add-on perks that go along with it, right? So I luckily don't have to touch my lawn for the last 10 years yeah, or snow yeah. and stuff like that. So it's just small stuff like that where I can focus on being productive instead of doing lawn work. Cutting the grass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah or mechanical no, work or whatever it is. Yep, yep. And and how did you how did you initially start that? I mean, obviously you you were making $75 a week off of your golf balls and all of that. You didn't have any of that money left over, I'm assuming another, you know, 10 years or six years later or so, you know, how, no, did, how did you start no. that? It was honestly just with my, my parents mower okay. and then just started off doing the, the, the couple that was next door that were, you know, retired and they had a big yard too. And they're like, well, how about you do ours for $25 a week? And then it slowly just kind of grew from there. Like, okay, now the next door neighbor from them wanted it. And then, so on, so on, so on. So I used their equipment at first until the money came in. And then it was, you know, buy and used equipment, buy and used trucks. And, mm -hmm. and then slowly just kept building from there and was able to self-fund through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and at what point did you step back from, you know, actually doing the, the lawn care and the lawn maintenance and that? Was that, I'm sure that was probably many years in. Yeah, I would say it's tough to remember that right now, but I'd probably say like seven to 10 years after that. Okay. But I was always interested in something different. So maybe the mowing side of stuff was maybe six years after starting, mm -hmm. but then I got interested in like hardscapes. So then I would start doing that and then sprinkler systems and then Christmas lights. So I would still mm -hmm. learn everything. So I would be knowledgeable to train a team. Yep. And once we put the people in place, then I would step away from that division, start something else, start something else, or just learn as much as I could. Yeah. Yeah. And, and talk a little bit about the systems that you have set up. Obviously, you know, you're in a very, very people focused, people required business. You know, those, those initial hires, I'm sure probably, you know, you're probably banging your head against the wall sometimes, but what were some of the things that you learned to be able to, you know, sort of systemize, systematize that process so that you could you know, hand it off to someone else, or you could, you know, step away from that, and know that it would be done, you know, correctly. Yeah, that's a, it's a great thing to constantly keep in the back of your mind, because it's never perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think at, there was a point when we found that processes are what makes the business go around. Mm -hmm. So what's the exact process from start to finish, or from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, for each task, for each division, for each individual in the company? So it was trying to figure out what those processes were so we could mimic and, and model mm -hmm. what works really good and what doesn't work really good. And we could see that. So it was, you know, a little bit of all of that, but it was mostly just figuring out here's the right way to do it. Now let's systemize it. Let's make it into a process. Let's create training manuals. Let's do reviews. I mean, let's have a fun uh, culture at the same time. But before all that, it was a lot of headaches. It was a lot yeah. of money. Right. It was going through a lot of people because we didn't know how to properly incentivize and how to motivate early on because yeah. I never worked for a different company in that industry. Yeah. So for me, it was learning a thousand ways to do it wrong first and then figure out, okay, this works really well. Let's build on this. This doesn't work. Scrap that. So let's get this blueprint in place so that we can multiply at an exponential rate. Yeah. Yep. And, and, do you have a, a high turnover rate for your employees, would you say, or is it, is it pretty stabilized now uh, at this point? 
I would say it's pretty stabilized. We have a lot of people return year after year because I, I try to keep everybody on over the winter months. Yeah. So we, we still do a lot in the winter, whether it's house renovations or Christmas lights, snow. This year was horrible for snow. Yeah. But outside of that, I would say there's a higher turnover for crew members or entry level positions. Mm-hmm. But we find out that the, the, the values don't align early on. So the, I would rather have a quicker turnover for that than to keep somebody in place with a very toxic attitude or doesn't want to be in the industry. And then two years later, you're kicking yourself in the butt for not changing that, uh, changing that up right away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you talked a little bit about the, the values there. Do you guys have core values set out that you, that you relay to everyone so that they can kind of understand, you know, what everything's about, what the culture is about and, you know, mindset, all that. Yeah. So we, we actually just went through renovating all of our mission, vision, core values. So we're waiting on those decals to get printed. We're going to post them up everywhere. But then that's what's already in our our job postings. It's in our recruitment. It's in our reviews. So then we can go in and say, okay, let us know which one of these you thought you needed more improvement on. Which one of these did you excel at? Here's how we're going to give you a bonus or a raise based off this, 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 this. You align perfectly with all of this stuff. Yeah, so I love it. It is something that we have doubled down on for this year, especially that we're trying to include that in everything that we do, whether it's talking to a customer, meeting a client or a review or a new hire that's coming in from a completely different industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you guys obviously see the importance of having, you know, those core values set up. You, you said that you just went through and you did you know, a revamp of them all. Do you remember what it was like before you had the core values, you know, the, the, the previous version of them? before you had any of those ones set out and what it was like after you, you know, established those? Well, we're, we're still turning it over right now. Yep. So before it was, it was not a clear path for what the day-to-day should be, mm-hmm. right. Or how to maximize your, your skill set in the business, whether it's uh, results oriented or detail oriented, whatever that is. But now with that, we can use that in all of our job duties. Mm-hmm. So we're currently like we have it almost 98% done and then we're going to have a company wide meeting of just the new core values and everything. Yeah. But that way everybody knows where we're going, what the big vision is, what the big 10 year goal is. So we can start with that now. And, and because when we get there, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for every single team member. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you're tying everybody together and, you know, making sure that everybody understands where, you know, where everyone is going, where the company is going. And like you said, what, what benefits them at that point. So you've done other things though too, right? You've, you've started other businesses and had other, you know, you're involved in other industries as well. What are some of those ones? Yeah. So everything kind of tied into the main lawn and landscape business. Mm -hmm. So one of our other businesses was because we created a, a need for efficiency. So I've got a partner, which is actually our mechanic and we create uh, construction equipment. So it's a construction, fabrication, you know, compressors, all that stuff that made our lives easier that people started seeing it and saying, Hey, where can I buy that? Where, where did you buy that? Who can I get this from? So then we just started opening it up and found that there's a need that a lot of other companies are needing to fill as well. So that's been a very great way to help our company and other companies, you know, affect that bottom profit to be higher. Mm -hmm. And I've got my real estate broker's license. So I do real estate, single family real estate, like renovations and tournament or rentals. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept guys busy in the winter months when we didn't have a lot of snow or Christmas lights. 
Yep. So that fed into, we were able to use existing skills, existing tools, machinery to, you know, create an asset fund on the side. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. And also helping small businesses with their leases. So with my broker's license, I can help other companies you know, find a new build, building, find a new flex space. So it's more just around helping as many people and also just something that mutually benefited the main business. Yeah. And there's some other sense. companies too I got into that are, have nothing to do with my background. Like I'm in with a coffee company and a recruiting company, mm -hmm. but they wanted the operational help that I was able to provide. So I'm, I'm a partner in those as well. Yeah. Interesting. So, so what type of what type of operational help would you say that those types of companies you know, were looking for that you that you help fulfill that that need? Yeah, they were mostly from the ground up. So they they weren't sure like how the leases work. They weren't sure how you know, the equipment asset purchases were or how to systemize, you know, their from raw material to finished material or mm -hmm client intake to a finished sale to a bigger company. Mm -hmm. So it was more of just, here's the vision, here's how we can make this happen. And it's a lot of learning along the way as well. But even from what I've gone through on our financial side as well, like let's make this P&L as detailed as possible so we can see what's going where, we can budget, we can do all that stuff. Because nobody ever helped me do that in the yeah. very beginning. I had to learn, like like I said, thousand ways not to, to do financials, yeah. right? So just taking a little bit of what I've learned over the last 20 years and helping a completely new infant company to be mature, yeah, to reach that next level. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And, and do you get involved in any of the marketing or anything like that, the advertising? Because again, obviously you, you had to, you had to, you know, you, you kept on bringing on these new business units or, or verticals, I guess you can say. And I'm sure that there is an element of advertising to be able to, to you know, blow those up as well. Is that something that you would say is in your wheelhouse as well? Um, a little bit. Right now we've got, I mean, we have in-house marketing team for the Lawn and Landscape Company mm -hmm. and for like my personal brand where I consult and speak as well. I've got a virtual assistant, some people that aren't in 
my Omaha area that help with the marketing because I'm not a social media person. That's the yeah. last thing I want to do is scroll through social media because there's a thousand other things I could be doing. Yeah. So they're helping with some of those things as well. A lot of the other businesses, they have their own marketing, the ones I'm partnered with. Mm -hmm. But my personal businesses, we kind of lump all of our staff into just creating the right avenues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I, I love how you, how, like you said, everything sort of dovetailed into you know, into one another, you know, each business sort of, you know, parlayed into the next one. So that's absolutely the best way to be able to, you know, grow and, and build and leverage the assets that you already have built for, you know, another company. The, the construction tool company, what types of things are you making or what, what types of innovations did you guys come up with, you know, for your own company that you've since turned into a, a sort of side business as well? Sure. I'd say the biggest one is mobile compressor, compressor units. Okay. So like air compressors for irrigation companies or um, like for jackhammers, whatever it is. But before you had a tow behind this $20,000 machine that you're yeah. not even using all the energy for, for sprinklers. So we're like, well, why isn't there something less than that that has the exact amount of pressure you need for air output Yeah, that's not on a trailer that we can just make palatable that you can fork in the back of a truck or put it on a hitch on the back of a van and cost half the price. Yeah. So that's probably our number one selling unit. Interesting. Um, otherwise, like uh, carriers for the back of trucks or the back of vans that you can put equipment on, kind of like the wheelchair, you know, the mounts mm -hmm. you see on a hitch. Mm -hmm. but these are heavier duty. You can ride stuff on. They can hold a couple thousand pounds and just all the mechanical work with that too. I mean, we've got engineers that have helped us develop all that stuff. So it's it's works properly as it should. Yeah, yeah. And then even just like flatbeds, and smaller fabrication tools, mobile power units, everything that you would potentially need if you're a contractor. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So are, are you actually manufacturing these then too? I mean, you, you obviously went through, did all the engineering design, you know, you're sourcing all the materials, manufacturing them all, and then obviously selling them. That, that's all part of the, the scope of your- Correct. Your, your spinoff company there. That's incredible. That's really Correct. cool. Yeah, so we manufacture and and there's some stuff we don't like the engines or the compressor unit we we don't manufacture because we want to leave that to the people that have been around for you know 90 yeah. years they know yeah. what to do and their warranty is a longer long time but the manufacturing process it's the the deconstructing and constructing it in a way that makes it mobile put it mm -hmm. that way and then just has the full efficiency of what contractors would need all in one unit yeah that's really cool. That's really cool. I've, I I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone who uh, who who thought that way. I mean, I always thought the exact same thing. We used to I used to have an electrical contracting company, and every now and then we'd have to, you know, rent one of the tow behind compressors to blow, uh, you know, a, a line through a really long run of of pipe. And I'm like, you know, this is stupid. Why don't Why don't we have you know something something smaller that you know isn't tow behind? And and then you went and built it. So that's that's incredible. Love it. Love Thanks. it. Yeah, very, very cool. So, so what else, what else are you into? What, what's next for you? Are you, you, well, actually you mentioned, you know, public speaking and, and, you know, that side of things. Uh, what, what types of topics, what types of topics do you speak on? Yeah. So the biggest, the biggest thing I'm focusing on now is just helping the green industry. So whether that be landscaping or irrigation or lawn mowing or anything in the green industry or just contractors, service businesses, 
but just helping people because like I said before, nobody helped me through all that. So if I can help save people hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of not doing it my way, yeah, then I'm going to be, I'm going to have a fulfilled life. So that's what I'm focusing on now is just how do I reach as many people as possible to help them guide along the way, whether they're just starting out in business, they don't even know how to set up their insurance or their LLC and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or if they can't break a million dollars or if they're trying to go from five to $10 million. So there's different break points and different levels that people get stuck at and just helping consult or go in and look at their operations and, and just give them different ideas of how to improve or how to create efficiencies. Yeah. So that's what I'm really passionate about now, because that's also going back into the original business. Like how do we help our team members, you know, learn as much as they can and then hopefully create another division or a regional um, location that they can manage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all sense. going into the blueprints from, you know, people hiring, uh, retaining, rewarding or operations or financials or analytics and marketing. So it's, it's a full well-rounded program that I'm taking these business owners through. Love it. Love it. That's very cool. Hey, talk a little bit about the, the blockers that companies get stuck at. Like you said, you know, there, there's a, a blocker where people get stuck, you know, right around the million dollar mark. And then, you know, 5 million might be the next one, 10 million might be the next one. Are those scaling issues or are there specific things that, you know, typically happen at this level, this level, and this level? Yeah, I would, I would say, I mean, that's a, it's a tough question because mm-hmm. everybody's different, no matter what part of the, the U S they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that the toughest is probably at the very beginning mm-hmm. when they're trying to either get out from working in the business mm-hmm. or hiring new people that aren't friends or family. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing is here's how we just find the right people first that are true, you know, workers of the company and not just friends that help out every once in a while or whatever yeah. they're doing. So that's probably the biggest step for what I'm seeing right now. Yep. And then it gets to a point where you've got a couple of crews, you've got, you know, five to 10 people and it's putting those people into managerial positions to start taking time taking stuff off your plate, right? So to start mm-hmm. um, delegating and to realize when you need to hire a manager or an office position mm-hmm. or create a process. So usually that's right around that 500 to a million um, when people are, they think they can manage everything and they should be hiring somebody to help with it because they could cover all of those salaries or all of those pay by focusing on the sales or the growth of the company or the vision. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after that, it just gets into the different division or different um, industries. So are you purchasing in bulk? Like, are you operating and routing properly? And that's this type of stuff. Or what kind of clients are you going after? Like, what's your top 10 personas that you're trying to market to? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the, the people that are spending, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year with you, you shouldn't be advertising to those people, but you should be going for the commercial that are paying a couple hundred thousand dollars with you. Yeah. Yeah. So then how do you locate and find and secure those contracts? Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And going, stepping back a few steps, you mentioned, you know, building your team and making sure that you're hiring the right people, the right fits. Obviously the core values are, are part of that equation. Do you have any other systems or tools that you use to identify you know, sort of raw innate talents, you know, that they, they are good at whatever this, you know, whatever this p- particular position is, like any type of assessments or anything like that? Or is that, that something that you typically will do to try to, you know, choose the, the person who has the, the, 
strongest skill set for whatever it is that you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough question because everybody's different, right? Mm-hmm. And some people are very good in the field and training people, but mm-hmm. you put them in front of a computer and they can't operate yeah. to what you're used to. So I think it's just trying to figure out what their personal goals are, what their financial goals are, their family goals, everything, and just setting up a progression chart to where they want to go. Like, here's where you can go in the company, but we need to get this, 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 this taken care of. We need to get these requirements or these KPIs or this licenses taken care of to progress you to the next level. Okay. And it might not look like an office position. Maybe they just want to manage more more production crews. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Makes Yeah. Just talking and figuring out what they really want in life. And even if it's just more money, but they want to be in the field. I mean, you can't take somebody from the field and make them an office person if they don't want to. Yeah. It's not going to be a good, a good uh, move. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, so that, that is kind of your key is, I guess, getting, getting to know the people, getting to understand what, you know, what their goals are, what, what their expectations are, you know, that, that makes perfect sense and, and, you know, putting them on a path. So do you actually lay that all out, you know, in front of them where, you know, this is where you ultimately want to go in order to get there, you know, we need, like you said, these are the KPIs you need to meet, or these are the licenses you need to get, or whatever it might be. You kind of lay that all out so that they, you know, understand that right up front. Yeah. And that's even what we're going through in in the interview process too. So you want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, this is where you would start because you need to learn everything. Yeah. But to do that, you have to hit these steps. You have to yeah. be able to produce this much or you need to sell this much. Like it's possible if you want to do it, I'll help you do it. Yeah. But how much, how much do you want it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we are using those and it's different for every single position. So we're, we're currently creating that for, you know, office positions, marketing positions, operational positions, the person that just starts out. So we, we're trying to loop them all together. And once you get to the top of one progression chart, maybe they go to a VP progression chart or senior level progression chart. So there's a lot that we're still finalizing on that because we haven't used that too long in the past before. So we're still revising and figuring out what's the proper processes. What's, what should those KPI totals be? Because you can't have 40 people making 80 or hundred grand. Like you still have to figure that out. What's going to be, what's right for your company. Yeah. That makes sense. In your, in your experience, you know, we've talked a lot about processes and, and, you know, laying out the, the procedures and, and the steps that people follow. How do you, how do you identify situations that might not necessarily be working? I mean, is there any, is there any, I guess, red flag or bells and whistle that, you know, you can relate to everyone else that, Hey, if you start seeing this happen, or, you know, you start feeling this or whatever it is, you know, let us know. And we'll, we'll take a look at whatever that situation might be. Is there, is there any type of, I guess, training that you're instilling in your, in your staff on what to look for to identify things that might not necessarily be going correctly? Yeah, I would, I would say we always are open about a letting us know if something's not going good for you, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't like the environment you're in, or if somebody's telling you one thing and we're saying a different, let us know right away. But there's also a point where everybody's daily duties, there's got to be something that can be improved. Or is there a different machinery? Is there a different software? Is there a different process that can make your life easier, that makes the company better and takes away a little bit more stress or a little bit more uh, time from your day day in and day out work? 
Yeah. So we're always looking for those types of improvements. I mean, it could be anything. It could just be moving one thing in the warehouse from one spot to the next, just to make the walking distance a fourth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, we're always looking for that. And every winter is usually when we go through stuff like that. It's now we can sit down, we can plan a little bit more. Here's what we maybe didn't have enough time to put in place in the season, yeah. Yeah. but there's always something that can be improved or to reduce a step in the process. Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Love that. What, what, uh, what are some of the things that you are most proud of, you know, in your, in your companies, you know, or maybe just the one company, like what, what are the things that you say, like, wow, I can't believe, you know, we've, we've been able to accomplish that or, you know, just sort of the feathers in, in your caps that you've amassed over the years that sort of stand out in your mind. I'm, I'm super proud of all of our team members because they've been with me for some of them a long time and they've seen where we've came from and where we're going. So I think that that's instilled a lot of belief in them, but also just, just knowing that what we're doing as a, as a company or companies, like how can we impact as many lives as possible? Even if it's from a customer perspective, like how can we make this person's life better so they don't have to spend time doing what they're doing and they can worry about doing stuff with their family or they don't have to worry about something not looking right. We're not operating right. Like it's taken care of. This is less stress off of their plate. So the biggest thing for us is just how do we help as many people as possible? How can we transform the industry or industries into a more streamlined and more profitable industry for more companies, not just us. So I think just that bigger vision, that, that thinking of how do we grow from, you know, not 10 to 15% a year, but how do we get to hundred percent year over year? And that yeah. by doing that is raising all of our beliefs in the company instead of just mine, right? Yeah. Then yeah. everybody starts thinking, okay, how do we do this? How do we get those contracts? And then it's, we're, even if we fall short of that hundred percent growth, we still might end at 30, 40, 50% year over year. But if we shot for the 10 to 15, we might only get 10. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think just instilling people to break them from uh, mediocrity and like, let's all win together. Let's get this uh, taken care of. Yeah. It, it sounds like you, you've instilled a very entrepreneurial mindset, you know, in your, in your, your, your staff and that, I mean, it, it sounds like they're always, you know, looking to, to improve themselves, improve the process, the systems, you know, you've put some big goals in front of them and it sounds like they, they work pretty well as a team to, to reach out and strive to, to get those. Any, any thoughts on how you, how you, you did that? Uh, you know, cause I think a lot of people, a lot of owners, managers, you know, they have those goals of, of instilling that type of mentality in people and, you know, that type of work ethic in people. But I think a lot of people fall short in being able to instill that in others as well. They, you know, they basically just drive them out of the company at, at some point. So any, any thoughts on how you've been able to motivate people to, to adopt that type of mindset and adopt that, you know, entrepreneurial mindset and, and, you know, really push themselves to, you know, excel and make the company as best as it can be? You know, I think it just boils down to just being present and not treating people like they're an employee. And that's why we don't really say employee much anymore. It's team members because we're all working on the same team, right? So what can we do to just be that friend, be that, you know, because we're seeing people more than their families are mm-hmm. in some cases. They're with us more time. So yeah. they're part of our family. Like we don't want to treat them any lesser or 
look down on people because just they're they're part of the bigger goal, right? So we need to focus on being there, being present, truly like going out, not just staying in your office all day long, but mm-hmm. talking to people every morning or talking to them at the end of the day, what's going on? How's your weekend? How's the wife? How's the kids? And just being there to let them know that you care about them. Yeah. Yeah. But I know Love it gets it. tougher as you get bigger and bigger, but you can still dedicate time in your week just to talk to, you know, five today, five tomorrow, five Thursday, five Friday. Yeah. Or a text, yeah. a texting them or getting donuts or whatever it is on their birthday. Make them know that you let them know that you 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 know about their birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You show that. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Excellent. James, this is really, really cool. I I, I commend you on all the different success with all the different companies. And, and like I said, rolling them all together or dovetailing them all together, which, you know, that's, that's absolutely the way that you want to do it. Um, if, if people want to learn more about you, your, your product services, I mean, there's, there's a long list of things to learn from you. So what would you say is the, uh, the best way to reach out and get in touch and, and, you know, maybe take that, that next step? Sure. If you go to my website, jamesmanske.com, James, M-A-N-S-K-E.com. I mean, a great tool is, is the book Thinking Horizontally that I put out last year for any mm-hmm. size business, whether you're just starting out or you're 25 years plus in the industry and just feeling stagnant, but just learning how to grow and change those beliefs to affect all your team members and how to change the lives in your community. Because I think that's what we all need to strive for is how do we make everybody's lives a little bit better How do we create good opportunities in our companies? How do we create a better community and create a better country and world? So then get information on the website or find me on all social platforms and I'm happy to help wherever I can. Love it. I love it. And, and I think horizontally, I I forgot about that one, that, that basically it is sort of teaching that long, long long-term outlook on, you know, your impact. Is that, is that basically the premise behind the book? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of what we were just talking about throughout this whole the podcast was what can tie into each other? What's, where's there a corollary that can maximize your existing staff, your, your skill set, your tools, your assets that you can create another revenue stream or another division or another product in your company where a customer is already paying for it from somebody else. So how to realize that stuff, how to maximize it, bring it in house or create another company altogether to help reach your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Love it. James, this has been fantastic. I thank you for the time. And uh, I know that you're going to do some amazing things. You probably already have it all mapped out. So, you know, kudos to you for all the, all the success and uh, wish you nothing but the best. Appreciate it, Matt. Great talking to you. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.